You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. What is up? Welcome to episode number 32 of the Savvy Social Podcast. Today, we're talking about creating culture, cultivating communities online, and I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. Uh, But before we dive in, just a quick reminder that our episode is brought to you by Social Report, which is the world's most complete social media management platform, and it's the one me and my team use. We love it because we finally have scheduling all in one place. Management is there as well as reporting, which we love, saves us hours of time every month. So check them out at socialreport.com. Now, today I'm talking with Jeremy Enns, who is the storyteller-in-chief of Counterweight Creative, a podcasting agency helping share the stories of everyone, from billion-dollar companies you've definitely heard of, to creative solopreneurs you probably never will, but who are absolutely crushing it. He is the co-creator of the world's first and only ice cream podcast, and will always look back on the day he finally saved up enough money to buy the Millennium Falcon Lego set as one of his proudest achievements. And yes, you heard me say ice cream podcast. (laughs) So I'm really excited to talk to Jeremy today because we dive into his history of being an audio engineer, working in the music industry, and turning his interest of podcasts into a business. We talk about how he created and cultivated his Facebook community, how it grew organically, and how he has the right people making the right connections in that group. Also, we talk about some tips um, on how to create your own community, how to cultivate that within your space. Now, make sure you stay till the end because we also have a little giveaway, a little treat for those of you who have podcasts or even if you're thinking about starting one or even if you're before you're thinking about starting one. It's just kind of a little idea in the back of your head. You'll definitely want to stay to the end of today's interview so that you can grab our goodies. All right, well, let's just dive right in. Hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited because I personally love geeking out about podcasts, so I'm really excited to dive into today's interview. Um, So let's start there. Why podcasts? What drew you into the podcasting world? So... I went to school for audio engineering, uh, let's see, like eight years ago or so now. And so I got into that because I was into music and I wanted to record bands and produce records and all that fun stuff. And so I went to school and pretty quickly realized after getting out of school that the music industry was a tougher than I had imagined. I knew it was a tough industry to make it in, but uh, after interning at a pretty big studio in Vancouver, Canada, where I uh, went to school at the time uh, for about a year, just a couple days a week, I realized that, you know, the people who were moving past me in the the ranks of interns were there, you know, basically 24 seven. And I really didn't love music that much to to make that sacrifice. And so I kind of took a step back from that, recorded some albums for fun, but kind of put those skills on the back burner and did some traveling and worked, you know, odd jobs and whatever. Um, and then 
it wasn't until a number of years later, actually, I think in 2015, I got really into podcasting as a listener. And so I was working a, a landscaping job where, you know, I could listen to podcasts or whatever uh, all day long. And so I was listening to just like an obscene amount of podcasts. I was listening at, you know, one and one and a half or two times speed all day, every day on my commutes at work, like on the weekends, like I was just loved podcasting and I was trying to find some way to start an online business. I wanted to do the whole um, digital nomad remote work thing at the time. And um, so I was looking into building a photography business and was doing that for about six months. And at some point, a friend of mine made an offhand comment on his show, which he is a pretty big travel show about his podcast editor and something clicked in my brain. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like that's really podcast editing is really, really, really easy. If you've been to audio school and you're used to, you know, running a, a whole studio with, you know, dozens of tracks and all these different instruments and all this kind of stuff. And so I think basically I, I set a, a profile up on Upwork that night, uh, went home from, uh, from work, set up the Upwork profile. And within three days, I think I had my first client and within six months had enough clients to go full-time with that. So it was just kind of off and running from there. So it really was not a direct path kind of. And, you know, it was, I think a lot of times how that happens to us where we like learn something or pick up some skill at some point and don't find any practical use for it in a way. And then even years later, it comes back and is the perfect fit for something else entirely. So uh, that's kind of how I got uh, into podcasting, kind of had these skills and became a huge fan of the medium as a listener and then realized that both of those kind of could work together. I love that because you're right in that your path wasn't as linear as you first imagined it to be. Um, but, you know, taking your skills from school and translating that into a podcasting career is fascinating. Um, you mentioned that you were listening to podcasts as early as 2015. Do you have any particular favorites that you like or particular styles? So it uh, it really started out when I first discovered them, I was diving into it. Like I, I had a, a goal of learning how to start an online business or a small business or creative business were all like terms that I was searching for. And so I know, I think the first business podcast that I really gravitated towards was called Creative Warriors. And I think the host is or was Jeffrey Shaw. I don't know if it's still going or not, but that was the one that really got me started. And from there, I think it was actually a little while before I found Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn, but as so many of us do, you know, once I heard that, that became a uh, a show that I really binged on uh, a lot, and so that's that's definitely one of the ones that that played a huge role in kind of my development of or education around online business. And uh, at, the, at the for the first maybe two months that I was listening to this amount of podcasts, it was almost all business focused. And kind of after that, everything started sounding the same. And it was a lot of the same advice. And I kind of was realizing that, okay, if everybody's saying the same thing, there's probably something to it. And it's probably that I need to start taking action on it. I've learned, you know, the, the base level of everything. And it's time to start, you know, figuring out what I'm going to apply this towards and just start experimenting. But I was also kind of getting fatigued by that style of show, you know, it was getting more boring and repetitive. So I um, branched out into more kind of diverse 
podcasts as well, a lot more like storytelling stuff. Like I love this American life. And that was one from the start that I was listening to. Um, stuff you should know was another favorite of mine just for, you know, random facts and stuff you should know about almost anything. And, uh, I really love the, the hosts there. Um, 99% invisible, uh, a lot more kind of journalistic narrative type stuff. Um, that's, uh, I have a, a huge love for those as well. I find it fascinating because shows like This American Life, you know, back when I was like 10, we would turn on the radio and listen to these shows. And now we can listen to them at any time on our phones. It's kind of wild, kind of this circle that has um, like come about with podcasting. I really like that. It's been, yeah, I've discovered the back catalog of This American Life too. I think once I was interested for a while i don't know if they still do this but you could only access so many um free episodes on their itunes feed and so it was like you know you could listen to the most recent 10 episodes but i started and you could download the the old episodes from their website somewhere so i found those and started from the beginning and that was really interesting the development of that show how clunky it was at the start and as Ira Glass is like finding his voice in the format of the show so that's that was really interesting to me just in how just this like monster show that everybody knows even if you're not in the podcasting world or uh, even if you don't listen to the show itself or NPR most people are aware of it uh, started out as kind of awkward and not that great kind of cheesy um, so I think like really everybody needs to find their legs at the start, whether you're podcasting or doing something else in business or blogging or whatever it is, uh, you can't really expect to, you know, just come out of the gate all guns blazing, doing everything perfectly. <laughs> right. I think I need to go back and listen to some of those episodes too, because it'd be a good reminder of like how how things progress and develop. I mean, they've been doing that for years. So, you know, and they're still learning and perfecting and tweaking and all of that good stuff. Um, Okay, so I want to switch direction just a little bit to talk more about your business and what role social media plays in your business. So um, I know that you have a Facebook group. I'm in it. I love it. So let's talk about the Facebook group, but also some other aspects of social media and how that helps you build your business. Yeah, so for me, social media has always or had always been something that I struggled with time-wise and as well as focus-wise in terms of how it played into uh, what I was doing. Um, And I think I always viewed um, the social media side of things as a bit of a challenge because the medium that I was working in was audio and there isn't really a go-to audio social media channel. I know a lot of people have tried different things that nothing's really caught on and, you know, things are getting shifting different ways um, in terms of, Uh, like audiograms a lot of people are doing now, especially podcasters, which work really well. And uh, we create those for a lot of my clients and uh, and they see great results from those. But when I was starting out, I was just had no focus on it. And so it was something that kind of continually got just pushed to the side and I didn't really make too much of an effort there. And it wasn't really until I started the Facebook group that I found traction on any of the social media platforms and I know a lot of people now, like there's, I get a lot of good feedback from the group and it's at about 1200 people now. It's a year, a year and a half old. So I know a lot of people grow groups a lot faster. I've been 
quite happy growing this one slowly and organically and keeping the the culture there, which is something that, you know, it, it, one of the reasons people love it. Um, but it was, it was a slow growth. So, and people often ask like, you know, what's the, what's the trick here to like growing a, a Facebook group? We love yours so much. Like, how do you do it? And I think people are often looking for a, a quick win, like, you know, just quickly getting, you know, a thousand people in their group. And while I know that there are ways to do that. Um, for me, I've found that uh, I've been really happy, like I said, with growing it slowly. And, you know, it took probably six months of posting everyday conversation starters to like the, you know, first 50 people that were in the group. And like, there was not much going on. And I was needing to lead every single conversation and interact with everyone. And then, you know, there was up to 100. And I think when it hit 150 people, it uh, was kind of a tipping point and then it doubled the next month in size and then doubled the next month in size. And I think there was a few key people who got involved, but also it was, you know, the, the culture that I had been promoting all this time had been embedded and people started, you know, picking up on that and giving back more and more where it started to really get easier on me and, and other people kind of picked up the slack and were answering questions and starting their own conversations and all this kind of stuff. So for me, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going to cut you off for a second, pause and, and talk a little bit more about the culture of it, because mm. um, I think that's really a powerful um, position that you have in the market, because there are a lot of podcast Facebook groups. Um, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the differentiator? Like what makes your group different from some of the other podcast groups? I think it's been, I was, I was very clear with the tone of what I wanted the group to be going in. And I started the group out of a place of frustration kind of with the conversations that were happening in other groups. And it was just so repetitive and so gear oriented and so monetization oriented. And it was just the same questions over and over and over. And I was thinking, you know, th these things are important, but they're I understand why people struggle with gear, but that's actually a really easy thing to address and you know, make the decision once basically and you're you're good to go so you, it takes some research but you know you can solve that fairly easily there's tons of guides out there um, and you can solve that um, in terms of monetization that's something that I think a lot of the other things if if you think about um, the strategy behind what you're doing with your show there's so much that will just lead into that naturally and those conversations weren't happening so I wanted to bring more of the mindset behind, you know, what your show is trying to accomplish, how you're going about, um, you know, sharing that message. And a lot of these things that weren't getting talked about. And I wanted to start a group saying like, you know, I want to talk about these things that kind of are getting drowned out or aren't even being discussed at all in other groups. And I think there were enough people who were sick of other groups and uh, the same repetition who gradually found it. Um, I was promoting it almost 100% through my blog at that point. Um, so I was sharing blog posts in other groups uh, as I was, you know, writing them weekly. I think I blogged regularly for about a year and have since kind of shifted into more the group being my main content kind of hub or uh, content production medium, which has been interesting. Um, it got to a point last year where uh, the blog was just a, a time you know, it takes 
for probably four to eight hours to, you know, write a blog post, create all the content around it, do all the posting and promotion. And with client work getting really busy, I just wasn't having the time for it and was seeing the group had got to a size where I was comfortable letting off that for a while and then realized that, oh, like my audience is growing here in the group even organically without continuing to write. And I have a a strong kind of body of content here to point back to. So I'm going to leave off this for a while and, you know, focus on clients and and all that kind of stuff. And at some point I'd like to get back to writing, but it's kind of been, it's really interesting how Facebook groups work because Facebook's also promoting them, especially once you get to a certain size. And so that was an interesting discovery for me in that, some other platforms, you're probably not going to actually grow your audience without creating new content. But uh, Facebook groups in particular seem to be one where if you're doing it well and people are really engaging with it, um, you're, you are going to get some of that organic growth and sometimes quite a bit. Um, actually, just recently in the past month or so, it's was a, like a long, slow climb. It leveled off after those couple months in a row. It doubled and now it's really picking up again. So I'm assuming something with their algorithms once you hit like a thousand people in the group, they start promoting you more heavily, or maybe it's an engagement thing coupled with that. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but there've been a lot more new requests recently, which has been interesting. I like that. And so when you're, when you're kind of in your group, are you the main moderator or do you have any help with that? Yeah. So I'm the, the only admin for the group, but I have, I think four moderators right now and and looking to add a couple more soon but it's it's been interesting in terms of culture that i think in a year and a half there have been two two members who have been like kicked out of the group for you know inciting stuff that went off the rails um one of which actually both of which a, a large majority of the group like remembers those people and we joke about them as you know they were just like wild wacky threads and which is interesting to me in that I know a lot of people who who do run groups you know frequently have these types of threads that go off the rails and um, so I feel to only have had two of those in a year and a half is pretty impressive and really a testament to the people that are in the group um, but as well as just like the culture that everybody's been able to adopt and so there isn't a lot of moderating that actually needs to happen which has been really interesting. So um, I do like to to be the one starting conversations and I like to, you know, look over, be the one accepting new members into the group and, and just ensuring uh, that people are a good fit. But also I feel it's important to know who's coming in and out. And, you know, one of the questions I ask is, you know, what's your show about? And I found that making connections to people when they come in and if you can recommend them to somebody uh, who might be a good guest or they might be a good guest for, that was especially at the start when I kind of knew everybody in the group when it was still, you know, one to 200 people or even a bit more than that. That was something that I think really endeared people to me and the group. And cause that's, you know, people are always looking for guests. They're looking to guest on other shows. And um, that was something that I wasn't doing that intentionally to grow the group or anything. I was just trying to be helpful. But looking back, that was one of the things that uh, I think being a, a connection maker is really, really valuable to your audience. And, you know, it takes some mental power, <laughs> that's for sure. But if you are being attentive and in your group and, and monitoring things fairly closely yourself, uh, it, it's just going to be a byproduct of it. 
such an interesting way that you fostered that connection. You were almost a facilitator of the conversations that were happening in the group. Um, and so you mentioned that that was kind of the beginning stages when it was still, you know, 100, 200 members. What does that conversation facilitation look like now that you have a group that's a lot larger? Yeah, I think it's, I, I definitely, there was a, a kind of point where at the start, I was the one who was, you know, giving the most advice and um, really trying to answer everybody's questions. And as the group got bigger, there was a point where I was kind of concerned that, you know, I wasn't the point of contact anymore that other people, there was almost a bit of like jealousy kind of like, Oh no, I need to be the one in there, uh, you know, giving the, the, the right answers to people and maybe there's you know, misinformation being spread. And so I kind of had to let go of that at some point. I don't know what the, the size was when that was happening. That was somewhere between 500 to a thousand people in the group where, you know, I just wasn't able to be as active often. Um, if I was, you know, had busy times with clients and stuff like that. And I was kind of worried about, you know, losing touch with the group or things like that. But after, you know, going through some of those times where I was less active and seeing that the group was actually functioning normally, I was able to kind of be like, oh, okay, they got this. Like people are, there are a lot of smart people in the group. And, you know, I now chime in where I have advice that hasn't been shared or if I can build on things or, um, you know, somebody, nobody's had an answer for something or often what I'll try to do if, you know, somebody posts something that there are no replies to, I'll try and connect them, tag someone who might have an answer, even if I don't know that they for sure do. Um, but try to, you know, I, I've realized that I don't need to have the answer for everything and I don't have the answer for everything. And so that, you know, I can't, I can't be the person, the, just the uh, bottleneck basically for everything. And that I kind of needed to let that go and um, just allow other people to step up. And I think, allowing people to do that or even actively promoting them in the group uh, is a great way to, you know, further their connection to the community. And um, that's, yeah, it, it was a bit of a difficult shift, but it's, it's gone really well. Sounds like it's more like valuable to your members to have them um, kind of self facilitate the conversation, but also have you still be the leader in really impactful ways. I think that's, you know, I think, I think it's a good thing that you have building there. Yeah, I, I think I've uh, become really curious over the past year, I would say, with um, with culture building and community uh, fostering and kind of leadership in those areas and done, you know, a lot of reading and research around that. And so that's been really, it's been a lot of fun for me to be able to like, you know, put some of these things to work in the group and play around with it and just, you know, try and build the best community possible. And uh, you know, I, I think there's always ways to improve. And there are definitely, there've been some groups that I've been a part of that I've been, you know, thinking I get a lot of good feedback from my group and I think, oh, this is, you know, one of the best groups on Facebook or whatever. A lot of people make comments like, you know, I, uh, I don't go on Facebook at all except to come in this group. And then I'll join some other group and I'll be like, oh man, this group is way better than mine. Like, the, or there's like some elements of it where it's just, I, I realize that there's still a lot of work to do and ways that uh, people are doing things better or differently that um, there are a lot of ways to kind of foster community and, and incorporate those into my group as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think fostering and cultivating that culture is kind of a running thread in a lot of the things that you do. So for our listeners who are podcasters or even for listeners who aren't podcasters, what's some advice that you can give for someone who's just starting out on their journey of community building? What's one kind of little tidbit that you can share that helps get us started on building that culture and that community for ourselves? Well, I think that it's basically the same as any, starting anything, starting a blog, starting a podcast, starting a business, is that you need to know what you want to get out of it and how you're going to go about that. And so, like I mentioned before, I started my group uh, because I was frustrated with these other groups. And so, you know, I had this, I don't know that I actually like wrote down everything that I wanted my group to be. If I was doing it again, I would do that. But I just had such a kind of knowing in, you know, inside of me of like what the ideal podcasting group for me was that, you know, it was going to be all these different things. We weren't going to have these kind of conversations. We were going to have these kind of conversations. Um, even like some of the the branding kind of stuff, it was all kind of clear in my head on like what this group was going to look like. And uh, so the group is called cut the bullshit podcasting. And so the name very clearly um, conveys the, the feeling that I had. And I think that a lot of people had, And so I think really being clear from the start on what the values of your group are and how you're going to promote those values. And so I think that can be difficult for a lot of people. And um, I think I'm a fairly natural communicator. And so I think I have an easier time of it than some people might, which is kind can be kind of frustrating, but I think you can work through that. And, um, and so I think thinking about, okay, if I want to promote, you know, whatever kinds of values in the group, how am I going to go about that? How am I going to phrase my questions that I'm my conversation starters? What, how am I going to interact with members in this scenario or this scenario, or when there are conflicts, like how am I going to deal with those? Um, And so I think just being clear on your kind of game plan for, you know, how you're actually going to promote this culture that you have in your mind, um, what the questions are and and just how you interact with people. um, those are going to be really like the the foundations for what shapes that community. And, you know, some people are going to gravitate to that and some people are going to be turned off by it. And that's great. <laughs> like yeah. you don't, you don't want the people who are turned off by the way you want to run your community anyways, because they're just going to cause trouble and, you know, make the group less valuable to the people who do buy into what uh, your vision is for it. Yeah. You can't please everyone because you'll get stuck trying and you'll, you won't get as far. So, so, so true. Um, well, thank you for that advice. I think it, it is really impactful to have some clarity and when you're starting your projects or when you're trying to build a community or an online presence, because that will drive what direction you want to go in and always know that you can change it down the road. It's not written in stone. You can always evolve or allow yourself to evolve with that process. So I think some clarity is a, is a good piece of advice for us today. Um, So before we wrap up, let's talk about how um, we can connect with you. And uh, specifically for those of us who are podcasters, how do we get started with podcasting? or How do we grow? I know you have um, two kind of different offers there for podcasters. Yeah. So uh, if you are listening to this in February, when this comes out of 2019, Oh, we're recording this just inside the new year. First time saying 2019. 
feels weird, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I got it. I got it right though. So that's good. I didn't say 2018. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this, well, when it comes out, actually in at the end of the month, end of February, uh, I've organized a kind of bundle of products aimed specifically at podcasters. But a lot of people, if you're looking to start a podcast, it's going to be really beneficial as well. And so that's called the Podcast Power Pack. And basically, this is a bundle of products worth well over $2,000 that's going to be available for over 80% off um, just for one week only. So um, there's going to be a bunch of courses and eBooks and resources and discounts on software uh, aimed at both starting and growing a podcast, as well as a whole bunch of other kind of online marketing tools. So if you have a blog or anything like that, there's a good chance that it's still going to be uh, very valuable uh, to you. And um, Andrea is participating in that, which I am beyond excited for. And so you can find all the information on that at podcastpowerpack.com. And uh, I've got a couple of freebies for people. If you are looking to start a podcast, I've got a whole uh, podcast launch roadmap. And so this is basically the roadmap that uh, my agency uses with all our new clients. And it's like, Pretty comprehensive, everything that you need to do uh, leading up to your launch. And so that's going to be really helpful for you there. And if you already have a podcast and are looking for, you know, how to improve it further, maybe find some of your weak spots. I've also got a podcast audit that you can go through and kind of rate your show on a bunch of different areas and kind of see, you know, where your weak points are, where your strengths are, and how you can uh, get started on closing some of those gaps and improving the different areas of your show. And so uh, both of those will be available at podcastpowerpack.com slash online Drea. And I'm sure you're going to have that in the show notes. Um, and beyond those, uh, we would love to have you in the Cut the Bullshit podcast group. And so you can search that on Facebook or go to cutthebullshitpodcasting.com. And there's a link to the group there as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Yes, I'll have all of those links in the show notes. I'm in the uh, Facebook group. Fantastic group. If you're just even mildly thinking about starting a podcast, highly recommend joining that group because there's a lot of smart, smart people in there. Um, well, thanks so much for joining me today, Jeremy. It has been fabulous talking with you. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.